0: But we have been um, studying the Sermon on the Mount. Pastor Hope started this series uh, um, a couple of months ago, and uh, we've been studying the Sermon on the Mount, and we've been in Chapter 6 for the past couple of weeks, and we've stopped because of Easter and the Sunday after Easter. Um, But we've heard about good deeds, and we've heard about prayer, and now we're going to talk about fasting. And so before we dive into that, let's have a word of prayer. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your word, your word that has truth in our life, May it mold us and shape us to be the people that you have called us to be, the people that you have created us to be. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen. So as we begin about talking about fasting, I can probably say that many of us have a slight understanding of what fasting is. For the general definition of fasting, we understand it to be something we refrain from, like food, or we give up for a period of time. We talk about fasting during the season of Lent a few weeks ago to mark the 40 days of Jesus spent in the wilderness, praying and fasting as he prepared himself for his earthly ministry. And then we see Satan coming to tempt Jesus in the wilderness. And fasting is usually giving up something that we love or in our lives, maybe candy or chocolate or meat on Fridays, or meat in general. And I know for some of you that really isn't much of a sacrifice because maybe you like fish better than red meat or white meat, or maybe you're just a vegetarian. Either way, um, but for our, it's a good beginning for our understanding of fasting. But in our lesson today, Jesus begins to teach us a deeper understanding of fasting. And he starts with this. And whenever you fast... Do not look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces as to show others why um, show others that they are fasting. And Jesus begins with an expectation for his disciples to fast. It's not an if you fast, but when you fast. And whenever you fast, Jesus says, his expectation for fasting is one that shows the need to fast for his disciples. And it's a need that has been shown time and time again throughout Scripture. We see Abraham's servant when he was seeking a bride for Isaac, fast, Moses fasted on several occasions, Hannah fasted and prayed for a child, David He fasted on several occasions. Elijah fasted after his victory over Jezebel. Ezra fasted when he was mourning Israel's faithlessness. Nehemiah fasted when he was preparing for the trip back to Israel. Esther fasted when God's people were threatened with extermination. Daniel, all through the book of Daniel, and his friends Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they fasted on numerous occasions. Jesus himself, as I said, fasted before his public ministry began. Paul, the Apostle Paul, at the point of his conversion, he fasted. The Christians at Antioch, when they sent Paul and Barnabas off for their uh, mission endeavors, they, they fasted. And then Paul and others fasted when they appointed elders in all the churches. All these examples throughout Scripture, fasting by the people of God. And each time that they fasted, it wasn't about not eating or giving up food for a certain amount of time. It was about seeing the power of God and seeking God's guidance at important times in their lives. Dr. Carl Lindquist was the president of Bethel College and Seminary for almost 30 years, and in the last decade of his life, he devoted his time studying and promoting personal spiritual devotion and the discipline of Christian life. He began a monthly letter of encouragement and inspiration called The Evangelical Order of the Burning Heart. And in September of 1989, that letter, he told the story of how he first began taking fasting seriously. He writes, My own serious consideration of fasting as a spiritual discipline began as a result of visiting Dr. Joon Gon Kim in in Seoul, Korea. And I'm Korean, I'll tell you, so I need to get a South Korean story in there somehow. All right? (laughs) So Dr. Jun Gong Kim in Seoul, Korea, and he visited with him. And he says, is it true? Dr. Lindquist asked him. He said, you spent 40 days in fasting prior to the evangelism crusade in 1980. Dr. Kim responded, yes, it's true. Dr. Kim was chairman of the crusade, expected to, build, uh, to bring a million people to Yoido Plaza. But six months before the meeting, the police informed him that they were revoking their permission for the crusade. Korea at the time was in political turmoil, and Seoul was under martial law. And so the police officers decided that they could not take the risk of having so many people together in one place. So Dr. Kim and some associates did what they really felt was necessary. They went up to Prayer Mountain, and there they spent 40 days before God in prayer and fasting for that crusade. And then they returned and made their way to the police station, and on arriving, the main police officer said, "Oh, Dr. Kim, we have changed our mind, and you can have your meeting." As I went back to the hotel, Dr. Linquist reflected, he said, "I never fasted like that. Perhaps I had never desired a work for God with the same intensity. His body is marked by many 40-day fasts during his long spiritual leadership of God's work in Asia. Also, however, I haven't seen the miracles Dr. Kim has. Yes, fasting is a spiritual discipline, and Jesus' expectation is that his disciples will fast. They will seek God to seek his guidance, to seek his power and strength, to seek God's forgiveness, to seek his presence, and to prepare for what God has next for them. And there is a right time to fast. And that right time is when there is an urging, a sense of call to it, a promoting, a sense of righteousness. It's a movement of God's Holy Spirit in your life to seek him on a deeper level than just prayer alone, alone cannot do. Jesus continues and tells his disciples that when they fast, they need to do it for the right reasons, and they need to do it right. He says, Do not look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces as to show that they are fasting. Earlier in the chapter, a few weeks ago, we've heard about how the hypocrites do things. So whenever you give alms, don't sound like a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in synagogues and in the streets so that they may be praised by others. And Jesus also says, And whenever you pray, don't pray, don't be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, so that they may be seen by others. you see the pattern? Jesus points out that doing good deeds, praying, and even fasting need to be done in the right way, and for the right reasons. uh, To hear... uh, the, the thing that motivates fasting needs to be the heart of God, not the heart motivated by admiration of friends and those around them. The hypocrites that Jesus talks about are the ones who fast for the purpose not to glorify or seek God, but to, those, to, let, but to let people know that they are doing fasting, not for God, but for themselves, and they lie and they lie to do it for their own glory. My own story of fasting begins with my father. My, my dad would pray and fast for long periods of time, and when I asked him about it, he, he would openly share what he was doing. He was fasting and, he, and why he was doing it for guidance, strength, direction, or for healing of friends and family. But each time he did it, there was always a purpose for the fast, and, and he would look normal. He wouldn't look tired or, or hungry, and he wasn't looking for sympathy or praise from those around him. He'd go to work, and he worked like second shift in a factory. And he'd go to work, and he wouldn't change anything in his life, his schedule, except for meal times. He wouldn't he wouldn't go and and have a meal. What he would do is he would spend time reading scripture, or he would spend time in prayer, seeking God in his time of fasting. No one really knew what he was doing, but if you asked him about it, he would tell people that he was fasting, and that would be it. He didn't want his fasting to be a big deal. He wanted his fasting to be for God's glory. But I knew that it was hard for my dad to fast. You see, he would fast not just for a couple, you know, like a day. He would fast for days or even weeks at a time. And I can imagine the hunger for food, even though he said that after a few days the hunger pains go away, But I knew it was hard, and it should be hard. Fasting should be difficult. It isn't easy to fast. It it shouldn't be easy, because if it was easy, then everybody would be doing it. And, And it's easy to fast for the wrong reasons. At least you get the satisfaction and reward from the people around you. Jesus makes the point when he says, Truly I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you fast in secret, as Jesus says to do, the difficulty is to deny oneself from, well, yourself. From your own desires, for your wants, and for your own purpose. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, pastor and theologian, writes about fasting in his book, *Costs of Discipleship. He writes, Jesus takes it for granted that his disciples will observe the pious custom of fasting. Strict exercise of self-control is an essential feature of the Christian's life. Such customs have only one purpose, to make the disciples more ready and cheerful to accomplish those things which God would have done. Listen to that again. It has one purpose, to make the disciple more ready and cheerful to accomplish those things which God would have done. He goes on to say, When the flesh is satisfied, it is hard to pray with cheerfulness or to devote oneself to the life of service, which calls for self-renunciation. We have to practice strictest daily discipline only so that the flesh can learn the painful lesson that it has no rights of its own. When the Apostle Paul writes, Give yourself as a living sacrifice. This is what he means. That when you fast, when you give up something, when you do that for the glory of God, you're taking away the thing that means something to you, that you need for daily living. So fasting is done to seek God's purpose, God's power, God's wisdom. And Jesus reminds his disciples the correct way to fast. He says, but when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that your fasting may be seen not by others, but by your Father who is in secret. There's this phrase that has become popular in the past decade or so. It's called keeping it real. And what keeping it real means is not to be fake or influenced, but being true to yourself and your values, but more importantly, being true to innate values that all people acknowledge as respectable. So Jesus says, keep it real. Don't try to pass off yourself, your righteousness, your faith into an Oscar-winning performance of, woe is me, I'm so hungry because I'm fasting. That is not fasting. That's just not eating. And it's okay not to eat for certain reasons. Maybe you're trying the latest fasting diet that's become popular these days to lose a little weight. Maybe you're making a political statement, maybe you're choosing not to eat because what's being served really isn't that good. Or maybe like me, sometimes you skip a meal because you just get busy. But let's just be honest with ourselves. We can't pass that off as fasting, not from the spiritual sense. Because if we do, then it's just a lie. It's not faith in action. And it's also important to mention that there is a right time to fast. Like I said, fasting is done in an urging, a sense of call. It's not our own time, but when we are led to fast. Again, we have seen in Scripture that people have fasted when they are seeking God's wisdom, God's guidance, power, healing, and forgiveness. The urging from the Holy Spirit can be because of a need, and many times those needs are urgent and drastic and drastic needs and requires radical action. So fasting becomes focusing on God, His promises, His presence, and His power. Now, I'm not saying that we all need to take up this 40-day fasting from food. There's also an understanding of modern-day fasting. Denying oneself could take other forms, whether it's a meal. I've had a friend who... Uh, Once a week, instead of having a large lunch, he has a meal of simplicity, just rice and beans or maybe just oatmeal. Maybe fasting from social media or from certain things that have become luxuries for you. Maybe it's fasting from consumerism. But whatever you fast from, the fast must be focused on God. Maybe it's taking away something that is distracting you from growing closer to God. Maybe the fast is something that is distracting you from praying for somebody that you love, something that's important to you, something that you truly need to seek God's guidance from. But when you fast, it must be partnered with prayer. And by doing so, we keep it real. Our real faith in God, our real purpose for the actions, and the promise that Jesus gives us by doing so, he says, your Father who sees in secret, will will reward you. And the reward is not from acclamation from friends or family or acknowledgement of righteousness, but our reward will be God's power and direction in our lives, God's peace, God's healing, and God's joy for his glory. Let's pray together. Father God, you know, there are times in our lives where we try to seek you. We try to do our best to, to focus in on you and to grow in our faith in you. But we get distracted. Or maybe there are things in our life that we are trying to, to find healing for, find direction for. And we just don't know how to get close to you. But Lord, may we understand what fasting is in our life that maybe it's time to take that action that the holy spirit is calling us to the place to grow deeper in relationship with you so god if that's the case then then help us help us be strong to take that to take that step help us be strong and trust you enough to not think about what health if it's healthy or if we should do it or not or whatever but help us trust you enough that even if we take a small step, that you'll meet us there. But in all things, may we do it for your glory, for your purpose, for your honor. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.